Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel. And each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio, episode 13. And this week I have Sean Van Dyke with me. He is a construction industry consultant, a business coach, a mentor, and he teaches construction professionals how to grow and scale a successful business. He's also the author of The Paperwork Punch List, 28 Days to Streamline Your Construction Business. And I'm really excited about this episode because we dive into the sales process. Sean has some awesome real life examples, stuff that I think you guys can take away and put into action immediately. So really hope you enjoy episode 13 with Sean Van Dyke. Sean, glad to have you on the show today. Hey, Spencer, thanks so much for having me here, man. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. Yeah, me too. And the way we could start is just having you tell the audience a little bit more about how you got into the construction world. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Long story. I'll try to keep it somewhat short, but got into construction by via the engineering sciences. So I got a couple of degrees in civil engineering and structural engineering. And then about the time I finished up my master's degree in structural engineering, I realized I don't think I want to be an engineer. I don't actually know how to build anything. And it happened to coincide. I got laid off from the engineering company that I was working for doing design work. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll get in the construction industry. And I started working for large commercial general contractor, building some, you know, some big commercial stuff. And then from there that led to doing some work with an architecture firm. That architecture firm connected me with real estate developer. And I worked with the real estate developer as a construction manager, building large commercial projects, you know, like Lowe's, Home Depot's, Walmart's, you know, that typical stuff. Um, All the stuff that people used to hate, you know, oh, we go in and buy up farmland, cut everything down and build a Walmart, you know, Um, did that was great, was traveling all over the country, building stuff, which was, which was a lot of fun as the construction manager. But then, you know, as we started to have kids, I thought being on the road three days a week, is not as much fun as I thought it was. So I started my own real estate development and construction management firm and just did projects locally. And I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. So kind of around East Tennessee, did that for several years. Then the downturn in the economy, it hit the commercial, it hit the commercial world first about a year or so before it hit uh, residential. And so I was kind of aware of that. So I shifted and went into the residential remodeling market and had a small residential remodeling company for several years, did that. And then was approached by one of my subcontractors. Actually, it was my trim and millwork guy. His business was booming. He was doing really high end stuff and young guy and really growing. And he approached me about coming to work for him because he basically said, and I see this all the time is he's a great craftsman, really good out in the field. But he, in his words, he was like, I suck at the business side. Um, And I need somebody to run the business so that I can focus on the production work. And so went on board with him as a uh, chief operating officer and was there for about four years and really was able to all of the stuff that I had developed through my different businesses and doing general contracting, applied it to that business. And we were able to scale that company up pretty, pretty big. We went from eight guys to 20 guys in about 18 months and no profit and heavily in debt to a, a sustainable profit and finally paying the owner what he should be receiving for, you know, running a 
million dollar plus company. So that's the brief history of it, I guess. Yeah, very cool. And so then from there, you made the transition into helping other companies like that one prove their business model and how they're Yeah, I kind of had this epiphany moment, I guess, throughout all of those 20 years worth of history right there. And all I've always been a numbers guy and a process guy. And so I was all, I'd always get calls or questions from friends or other colleagues in the construction industry or around asking about business stuff or contract stuff or running the numbers. And I'm an engineer at heart, so I really love the numbers. So I always really focused on that part of it. And then I realized how important that really is in any kind of business. So I was kind of used to answering a lot of questions. And then one day I had an epiphany. This That stuff was just normal to me. And I realized that my general knowledge was considered expert knowledge to other people. And so I thought, well, maybe I can do for other construction companies what I've done for my own and what I've done for this trim and millwork company. And we had some personal things come up. My wife was diagnosed with a disease, MS, about 10 years ago. So we all were always kind of dealing with that. And I realized I needed to, always in the back of my mind, I needed to create a job for myself that gave me a little bit of freedom so that I could take care of my family when I needed to, you know, like typical entrepreneur, I thought about a bunch of ideas, tried a bunch of different stuff out. And then one day just standing in front of the mirror, brushing my teeth, I realized, wait a minute, what I'm good at is running construction businesses. I don't need to step out in any other industry or come up. I don't need to be creative. I just need to do that. And so I I started putting myself out there. I can help you run your business. This is what I've done. And then just kind of took off from there. And so now that's what I do full-time. That's all I do is uh, business coaching, consulting, and mentoring to uh, construction companies. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, thanks. It was fun to hear about the background. You know, you definitely went down a lot of paths like before you arrived at what you're doing now. Yeah. I used to tell my wife, I said, honey, I'm, I'm just very versatile. I've got a lot of experience. And she just looked at me and she's like, from your wife's perspective, it just doesn't seem like you can hold down a job. And I thought, yeah, that's, that might be, that, that's a, you know, that's pretty accurate too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, honey. By the way, I'm going to quit my job. We got five kids and uh, I'm going to be a business coach. Yeah. But at, at that point she was like, yeah, that's typical. Whatever, whatever you're doing, that's fine. We'll roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, I know one of the areas that you help people with and probably comes up a lot is around lead qualification and that process because you can waste a lot of time going out on sales calls and tracking down people that aren't going to be good fits. So when you're working with these different businesses, how do you start to approach that conversation when you start to watch how they're dealing with incoming leads and then moving them through the sales cycle? Yeah, I think a lot of times we start even before that. And I talked with a lot of my clients and identifying, you know, one of the things you got to identify in your business is what makes you money and what doesn't make you money. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something, right? Like, and that's, that's the problem with a lot of general contractors. I mean, it's even in the name general, right? Hey, we, we're general. We can do a lot of stuff and they end up doing a lot of stuff and they don't really identify identify what it is that they are really good at, really want to do, or the things that are most profitable for them. So doing lead qualification, I think just starts with what are we good at? What do we want to do? And then we just focus on those kind of leads. When you get that kind of clarity on it saying, hey, we're, yeah, we're a remodeling contractor. We really specialize in like kitchens and baths or whatever. 
So we're probably not going to go after windows and siding and door replacement and decks and roofs. Yeah, we can do all of that. And you can pick up all of that kind of work, right? When someone calls you for a kitchen or a bath, you can say, yeah, yeah, we do that. So I think you have to identify and ask yourself, what qualifies a lead for my company? What type of leads are we looking for? Instead of how do we take any lead and qualify them, right? Let's just go after certain types of leads or generate certain types of leads in a specific area. That, that'll weed out a lot of people. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to just positioning your company from a marketing perspective. You know, like you said, you know, maybe you specialize in kitchens and baths. So you start attracting that type of lead and then they go, oh yeah, but I've got all these other things. You can, of course, run down that path and, and tackle that. But if you're yeah. the odd job, you know, you're going to just be all over the map. Yeah. And I, and I see that all the time. I don't want to offend any of your listeners, but it's just a got to understand from your client's point of view, when they see it, that truck or the, that trailer, and it says we do kitchens, baths, doors, windows, siding, decks, home improvement, handyman, like that's just too much. It's too much for someone to process and you don't stand out. You just blend in as if you said, we are the deck builder in whatever your town is, the expert deck builder right? You will get calls for kitchens, baths, and all that other kind of stuff just because you stand out. And, and what people will do when you stand out in a specific specialty, they'll call you and they'll say, hey, I, I saw your sign. I saw your website. We came across your ad on Facebook, whatever. I know that you only do decks, but we're looking for someone to do an addition, right? You want to get that call and you can say, oh yeah, we do that too. We do that all the time. As part of our deck projects, we end up doing addition. We just specialize in decks, but sure, let's take a look at your addition. You will get calls for other stuff. And when, when someone calls a deck company, right, looking for an addition, they're already kind of pre-framed. They're, they're doing some homework. They could be a very high quality lead right now. Someone could, you could stand out and they say, Hey, do you know a roofer? Yeah. You just, you pass them along to whatever it is that they need, but they're also coming to you as an authority because you, you, you stand out in that very special area. Yeah. And I think that brings up an interesting point, you know, so let's say you are a deck specialist and you, you know, you get the occasional call for somebody that wants to do an addition or they want, want to do a kitchen and bath project. Would your recommendation be to pass those leads along to somebody else because they're not a good fit and you're really trying to optimize that business around decks or you're saying just use that as a positioning tool. And then as you get calls, you know, take on that, that business. Yeah. I mean, something as, as, as different as decks, which we all know is going to be exterior work versus a kitchen and bath, which are going to involve every trade. Yeah. You probably want to have some referral partners that you can pass them along to. And that's going to help you too. You're still seen as the expert. Hey, we, we don't specialize in kitchens and bath, but we can put you in touch with somebody. The, the additional work that I'm talking about is like you're on the outside of a house, let's say doing, you know, doing a deck, you know, you're going to get into the siding. Once the siding's off, you're probably going to replace a couple of windows and maybe there's a door involved. The customers may not even realize to do the deck or to take, transform the deck to a covered porch or screened in porch. You're going to get into these other areas. So there's an opportunity to sell what you already going to, you know, you're going to get into some siding, some windows, some doors. And then there's a chance to upgrade saying, Hey, we got to replace this door on the back as part of the deck project and these windows. Do you think you want to do maybe the whole back half of the house? Cause we're going to have the siding torn off or whatever. And so it's one of those things we don't specialize in windows. Now we're experts and we're craftsmen. We're going to do it the right way, but we're not out there competing for all of the window work, right? 
we're going to pick up and it's, you know, it's an upgrade or an upsell because you specialized in, in decks. Now, once you're on the inside of the house, it changes a little bit, you know, Hey, kitchens and baths, you got to be a flooring expert. You got to you know, do some additions and, and that kind of stuff, but you want to develop partnerships for things once they're outside of your specialty. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. And it's really powerful from a, from a marketing and positioning standpoint too. And that leads me into my next question. So as you start getting, getting these leads in, you know, one of the big questions is around budget and how do you get to budget fast enough? Cause there can be a lot of time wasted getting there. How do you approach that? Yeah, I say you got to get to it early, but you need to establish trust first with the client. And so I always encourage or train my clients. There really is no need for you to drive across town and meet with anybody unless you've got the budget determined. So we've, we've got to get to the budget and we've got to get to it early because we just don't want to waste time. It doesn't mean that the, the owners are, are bad people and it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means if someone has a $50,000 project and their budget is $10,000 for it, there's just no use in wasting anybody's time, right? And so, but the, the way to get to the budget is you ask them to describe the project first and you just listen. Hey, tell me, someone's going to call you up and they're going to tell you about the project or they're going to say, hey, we have a kitchen project. Can you come out and take a look? Sure, we'd love to take a look, meaning when we get to that point in the process, but right now, why don't you tell me about it, right? And they'll say, well, we want this or we want that or whatever. You should be able, if you're a professional, you should be able to give them an estimate, but you've got to define what an estimate is. I'll give you an estimate and an estimate is, is just a guess based on my experience. So describe your project to me and tell me what you want. Send me some pictures or, wow, you have a set of plans. That's even better. Let me take a look at those and I can give you an estimate pretty quickly and there's no charge for that. But what most homeowners don't understand is they say, hey, can you come out and give me an estimate? No, I can give you an estimate right now, right? If you can provide me with some information. If you don't have the information, then it sounds like you need for somebody to do some work and we get paid to do work. So I can give you an estimate right now over the phone. If you can give me some information and then we can move on from there. So you get them to describe the project. The most important thing when you're getting them to describe the project, especially in, you know how to weed out or how to qualify leads is you want to listen for the quantity of words that people use to describe the project, not the quality. What I mean by that is everybody's going to say the same quality words. We want high in this. We want nice that. We're looking for new that, right? They're all going to use those words. Sure. But there's a big difference in being able to close a sale. The example like this. So customer A calls up, says, hey, we want a new kitchen project or we're going to do a kitchen remodel. We're just tired of our old kitchen. You say, okay, we'll describe the project. And they say, you know, they, they describe it a little bit and they, and you ask them, what's the biggest goal in this project? Well, we're just tired of the kitchen and it's outdated and you know, we've got some kids and they've beaten the crap out of it over the years. So it's time for an update. Okay, great. No problem. Now contrast that to customer B that calls up and they want a kitchen project. And you say, well, why, you know, what's, what's the biggest goal here? What, what do you, what do you hope to achieve with this project? And they say, well, we were traveling, my husband and I were traveling in Spain last year and we stayed at this little cottage, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And we were blown away by the cabinetry in this place. And I've never seen the detail like this before. And the wood, I've done some research and it was like this Brazilian cherry. It had these details. And I just didn't know that I could experience anything like this from a set of cabinetry. And then I just want that in my home. 
all right, so customer A, we just need an update, right? And they can describe it in about two seconds versus customer B that goes on for 15 minutes about this experience they had. Which customer do you think is more likely to buy right now and is more invested in moving forward? Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean that customer A won't be a good client. I'm just going to focus my attention in qualifying customer B first. They're the ones that I might drive across town and meet with, but I'm still going to get to the budget, but they're the ones that are going to go on the top of my calendar. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that example because it kind of draws out a couple of things. I mean, the first one is just giving them a little bit of homework on the phone. So not bailing them out, you know, cause we, we get a call and we go, all right, we've got a lead, you know, sure. I want to drive and meet them and make that connection. And that ends up wasting a lot of time. But if you just give them a little bit of homework, like they've got to give you some information, you can make a lot of progress there. Yeah. It, I mean, I've talked to clients on the phone, they've described a process and I'll say, Hey, why don't you snap a picture on your cell phone and just shoot me a picture of your bonus room or your great room or your kitchen or your bath or whatever. And then I'll call you right back. Once I, I can tell by looking at it, Oh, it's a five by seven bathroom. They want to tear out the tub, do it a walk-in shower with a glass door, subway tile and a niche update the single vanity and toilet. Yeah, no problem. That baseline 15 to 20 grand for that. We don't need to pick out tile. I don't need to come out and take a look at it. I know that that's where you're going to be. We're, we're professional. We've done this before. So there's no sense in withholding that information from those people. And so when you get to the budget question, you just got to ask them after they've described the budget and you've kind of been informed of what they want, then you just got to ask them, well, let me ask you, what's your budget? And the most important thing to do after you ask the budget question is say nothing. <laughs> you got to let the silence linger because our brains don't like silence and your customers will fill in that awkward silence with more information, right? So when you say, yeah, it sounds great. This is exactly what we do. We, we love to do these type of projects, but let me ask you, what's your budget? See, that silence right there was even a little bit awkward, right? And yeah, you knew it was coming, right? Yeah. And you wanted to say something, right? So your customers will say, <laughs> yeah, they'll say one of three things. Most of the time they say, well, we don't have a budget. Oh, okay, yeah. great. That's not a problem for us. Your budget should be fifteen dollars to $20,000. How does that sound? And then they'll say, well, we're not going to spend that much. <laughs> and I love it when it goes like that because what, you say, what you're saying is like, oh, you said you didn't have a budget, but now we know what the budget's not. So how about 12 to 15? We're not going to spend that much either. Okay. How about $10,000? Well, and then you eventually they get it by the third time. Then they'll give you some more information. Well, you know, we've already talked to a couple other people. We've gotten a price around $10,000 or whatever. Then I go into education mode and I just say, oh, if you've talked to other people, then why haven't you hired them? What information or what trust haven't they built with you? Because if you're just looking for a number, I'll give you the number. It's 15 to 20, right? That's for us to do it, but it doesn't sound like this is a good fit for us. So anyway, that, that's what I teach my clients and how to develop that mindset, how to develop a script. And it becomes very customer friendly and you're educating, educating, educating the client. But man, I am not getting in the truck and driving across town. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And And the other thing I think that comes out of that too is the mindset of, you're a professional, right? And so you mentioned that earlier when you said, hey, I'm not going to drive out right away. If you get enough information, you should be able to give them a range, even if that range is a little bit wider, you know, but you, 
you know what the project is and you can scope that out and give them a really rough estimate and you would be able to tell me better, but a lot of business owners maybe don't think of themselves as very uh, professional or they feel like they are professional, but they're not treating, I guess, their prospects that same way. Do you find that? Yeah. And that's where the coaching comes in. You just use a lot of examples. So same example is I can't go into the doctor's office. So I'm going to go in the doctor's office. Hey, doc. Hey, I feel sick. All right. Well, what are your symptoms? Well, you know, I've got this bad cough and I've got a fever, you know, my stomach's a wreck. Okay. Yeah. Well, we probably need to do some blood work or we need you to come in and do some kind of testing, right? You can't go into the doctor's office and say, run all of these tests and then I'm, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm going to shop around to a bunch of different doctors and find out who's got the best deal on curing whatever it is that I have. No, you're going to get charged 200 bucks for blood work and whatever else, right? And they're fine. Go find some other doctor to cure you. You're going to pay that doctor to draw the blood, right? So just like any other professional, you go into the mechanic. You don't know what's wrong with your car, but you drop it off there and they call you back and say, new, new transmission, the brakes look bad. And by the way, you're out of oil right? It's going to be $5,000 to fix all of this stuff. Then like the customers say, well, I've been watching YouTube, DIY, HGTV, whatever the equivalent is, you know, for mechanic. And I've got my cousin's brother's cousin, actually, he's got some tools and he can do this stuff. So I think I'll just fix it myself because that's way too expensive. The mechanic's going to say, no problem, come get it. And here's an invoice for the diagnostic, 125 bucks. And here's the keys right? So a lot of times remodelers got to realize you, your customers are driving this broken down jalopy of a project into your shop. And they're asking you to diagnose all the problems and fix it for free. No one else works for free. Contractors shouldn't either. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And going back to your example of the, the couple that, you know, love the cabinetry and they, you know, they wanted that experience. So say you've identified this is worth making the drive. Once you get out there, is that something where you recommend charging for that time to do the estimate as well? Or how do you, you know, approach that? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different for every case, but in general, what the, the sales call, that initial sales call, I am not looking to close a deal. I'm looking to educate them on the process, my process. So they're going to know at the end of that phone call that if we decide to move forward, because we've talked about the budget, what it should be, what it could be, and some different options, you know, then before I get off the phone, before I make that appointment, I'm going to explain my design or planning process, my fees that are associated with that, so that when I do drive up, the first thing they see is the planning or design agreement. And they're writing me a check. And I've already described that to them. And it's not a surprise to them because we've already dealt with that on the phone. And I, and I leave the option saying, hey, in our experience, these type of projects are between 15 and 20,000. Is that your budget? No, it's not our budget. We're more like, and you get to it, however you get to it, is we're more at like 12. Okay, no problem. If you'd like for us to help design a $12,000 project for you, then the way that we do that is the same if your budget was 15 to 20. We start with the design process. And especially if your budget is pretty tight, it certainly is going to be to your benefit to hire us to do the professional work to plan a $12,000 budget. Because if you talk to enough contractors and enough people, you'll eventually, someone will eventually give you a number, but that number is wrong. 
And if anybody says that they can do it for 20 or 30% less, and this is where the confidence comes in, you just have to tell them they're ignorant or they're incompetent. They're going to go out of business or they won't be producing the same quality. So yeah, to answer your question is by the time I show up, they're already informed what the next step is. Now, every now and then, you're going to get a project and it's the right, it's with the right architect. It's with the right designer. It's the, it's a big enough project and you're not going to charge them anything because that's really a business development cost or a marketing cost. That's how you should look at it. Nor, but I'm still going to tell them about my process and say, normally we charge a thousand dollars just to come out there and do this planning, but we're really excited to get an opportunity to look at this for you. So we won't charge you anything, but that is our process, right? And when they know you're giving them something, you normally charge $1,000 to start this process, then it starts to establish some trust with them. Now, whether or not they put any value in that or not, it depends on the person. But it's not a hard set rule because sometimes we do want to go after bigger projects, right? But that's a marketing expense. Not every job is that. Now, when you're starting out, yeah, it's probably like that. But it's so much easier to start out with this kind of process and build confidence in it than it is to say, oh, well, when we get a reputation, then we'll start charging for this. No, if you're providing a professional service, everybody charges for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. I want to jump back to earlier in the conversation where we talked about part of your story and you were talking about the your last role where you came on as COO and the owner wasn't paying himself what he should be paying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to dig into that concept a little bit more and what your thoughts are around that. Cause I know you and I talked maybe a couple of weeks ago and you said a lot of owners aren't paying themselves what they should be paying. So let's yeah. So what I say, especially a lot of, a lot of owner operators. So they're out in the field in some capacity, whether it's with the tool belt on or as a project manager or whatever, and they, they just aren't paying them themselves for all of the hats that they wear. So let's say for an example, an owner operator that is also is basically a lead carpenter. You know, maybe this is a small remodeling company or something like that. So they pay, they might pay themselves for the hours out in the field or the time out in the field. And then they just do all the estimating, the sales and the business development stuff, you know, like everybody does not early in the mornings or late at nights. Right. But if, if you don't include that in your pricing strategy, you're giving the bookkeeping, the estimating, the project management, the business development, you're giving all of that away for free. And that's the reason that you're not making any money because contractors will say, man, we're super busy. We're booked up for six months. We get every job that we, you know, we get 90% of the jobs that we look at and I'll talk to clients to say, okay, well then why don't you have any money? Why are you talking to me? Why do you need a, you know, why do you need a business coach? They say, I can't figure this out. Right. And And I say, yeah, it's because you're only charging your clients for your production work. You're not charging them for the business side of it because successful construction companies, big construction companies, have project managers, they've got bookkeepers and they've got accountants and they've got a marketing plan. And guess what? They don't pay for any of that. Their customers pay for all of that, right? And so when you're not paying yourself for all of the jobs that you do, then you never realize what the value is that you can sell to your clients, right? And so I walked my clients through exercise. We say, all right, you know, most guys that are working as owner operators are probably spending about 30, 35 hours a week out in the field doing production stuff. And they could be spending 15 to 20 hours and running the business, doing all of the other stuff, right? So we need to make sure that the value for the production work, let's say a lead carpenter, 
$35 an hour, 30, $35 an hour, right? That's kind of what they're used to figuring into their cost. And I say, all right, if you had to hire somebody that could do project management, estimating, business development, sales, marketing, all of these other things that you do, how much would you have to pay that person? And that's where they're just kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, and they think, because they're related to production work. They're like, I don't know, like $40 an hour. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, 40,000, that's an $80,000. But that person is going to be pretty well versed to be able to step in to that role. But let's say 80 to, you know, say $100,000 is if you had that, that person, but you're not doing that role full time. You're doing it about 15, 20 hours a week. So let's say it's a part-time job for someone because it's a part-time job for you. So you need to figure in if it's a hundred thousand dollars full time, but you're really doing it part time. You need to work in fifty thousand dollars worth of expenses into your pricing strategy so that you can charge your customers for that. So that if you're the owner, the owner operator of the company, you need to pay yourself for the production work. You need to pay yourself a salary for the administrative stuff, and then hopefully all of that stuff generates a profit. You should pay yourself as the owner of the company the profits as well. So there's three different ways that, that you should be paying yourself, but you've got to identify each of those areas and know how to sell that to your clients. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, I mean, really that probably helps these guys get to the next level too, because you're saying, okay, I'm wearing all these hats. So I need to be paid for all these hats, even if they're part-time. And then as you bring on a true part-time person to fill the bookkeeping role, that's right. Already in the budget, right? You've already, yeah, you don't have to raise your prices, right? When you're now, the great thing about being an owner, right, is that you don't have to pay yourself and you'll show up for work tomorrow. <laughs> right? You can't do that with your employees. If you don't show, if you don't pay them, they won't show up, right? So, what's more important and especially when you're making this transition, a lot of times when I work with my clients, it's like it is ripping off the band-aid saying Here's where you're at. And after we run through the numbers, here's where you need to be. And these contractors are like, and it's a 30 or 40% difference in price. And they just, they're like, I've never charged that much. How can I, how can I possibly do that? And say, you do it in baby steps, right? We increase your prices by 5% and you sell the value and you see, and you realize that people don't blink an eye and then you go another 5%, but you got to get there. In the meantime, when you make those pricing adjustments, if you don't want to pay yourself, then don't. Don't kid yourself that when you grow, you will be paying a bookkeeper to do that stuff. And you need that. That's another thing that I see is you need to probably increase your expenses a little bit because you doing the books is not as efficient as a professional doing the books, right? The same reason your clients are hiring you because sure, given unlimited time and unlimited budget, they could probably figure out how to hang some doors and do some crown molding, right? But you don't have the luxury of that. Same thing with you is like, you think that, you know, it's gonna, you're gonna have to hire somebody to do the books 20 hours a week because that's what it takes you. No, an expert's gonna do it in two. Yeah. You know, so it's actually, yeah, it's gonna be expensive. They're gonna charge you. They're gonna wanna be paid 35, 40 bucks an hour just to do bookkeeping or, you know, whatever it is, but they're gonna get it done in a fraction of the time. Right. Yeah, so you, that's might be higher, but the total cost may go down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's the same thing. They just got to be able to identify those things and say, okay, we want to work your pricing strategy up. You don't have to pay yourself as a bookkeeper, as an administrator, but eventually you're gonna have to pay somebody. And so that you don't have to raise your prices, start doing it now and start 
figuring out how to sell that value to your customers. Yeah, Sean, this has been awesome. I feel like there's a lot of golden nuggets we've uncovered for our listeners and we could probably run on for another. You know, oh, I love this stuff, man. I could, I could talk for hours. You just yeah. tell me to, when I need to shut up. Yeah, no, no. I've got one more question for you. I'd love to give you the opportunity to let our listeners know how they can connect with you, find you online, that sort of thing. Yeah. My website, seanvandyke.com. That's S-H-A-W-N-V-A-N-D-Y-K-E.com. You can go there. I've got a free book for your listeners. If they go to seanvandyke.com slash the paperwork punch list, it is a, uh, an action guide, 28 days to streamline your construction business. It gives you a lot of information about some of the things that we've talked about here about not giving free estimates or defining what that is. Also gets in how to do estimating and streamline that and starts with some job costing and it's totally free. Just give me your email address. I'll send you some few emails about other free programs that I've got and some more about what I do. Yeah, that's the best place to get some information. And then just Googling me, I've got a YouTube channel and Instagram. I kind of live on Instagram and try to provide a lot of value there for my followers. Let's see. And my email address is on my website too, but it's uh, connect at seanvandyke.com, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Um, so if, uh, if anybody's got questions and need to reach out, just hit me up in any one of those places. Download my book. You'll be on my email list and you'll get some regular emails from me from time to time. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely recommend everyone going to seanvandyke.com and Make sure you follow him on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. There's a lot of good content. But my last question for today is if you could leave our listeners with one parting piece of advice, you know, what would that be? Confidence. Confidence is the key to running a successful construction business. As much as you love your clients, they are not the experts. You are. So you have to have confidence in your numbers, in your sales, you know, your sales process and what it is that you do and just have confidence in walking away from red flags and clients that don't want to pay you enough money because there are clients out there that want a good experience. They're willing to pay a fair price for, you know, whatever it is that you're providing. You just don't have to work for people that aren't able or want to pay you enough to make a profit. So just being confident in yourself, being confident in your process. And if you lack confidence in something, the information's out there, go get it, go steal confidence from somebody else, read a book, you know, read my stuff, reach out to me, ask a lot of questions, confidence sells every time. That's awesome. That's great advice. So, you know, go out there and be confident today. And Sean, thanks so much for being on the show with me. Hey, Spencer, thank you. Love to come back anytime. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.